and welcome to the 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at some of the state news's biggest stories while bringing in new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. This week, we'll be talking about financial stress among students during the COVID-19 pandemic, what U.S. Representative Alyssa Slotkin has to say about the latest on coronavirus aid, and who the provost finalists are and what they have to offer to MSU. Thanks for joining us. So I'm here with Kashi Shabra. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you wrote our most recent centerpiece in our recent print edition. Can you talk a little bit about what your story was? I know it was about financial stress during the pandemic for students. So how did you kind of come across this story and get to writing it? Um, so first of all, just because I am also a student employee at on campus, so I know that um, at, uh, like a lot of students, a lot of my coworkers who have not been able to you know um, have their any source of income, probably because all these um, jobs on campus have been shut down, uh, and I know they're like really very stressed out. Uh, so it kind of you know like made me think of you know how people from different jobs or different you know like fields are reacting to it so I thought it would be a good idea to you know have students relate to it and that's where I came across the idea of you know just having this as a centerpiece yeah so um what did some of the students you talked to say about some of their personal struggles right now Honestly, I was very shocked about how different perspectives I came across with. Uh, For example, Hannah Bloomfield, um, she is, I believe, a junior at NSU, and she had two different jobs. Uh, I think one of them was at the gallery and the other was at MSU Pro Art Museum. And she has, you know, not been able to attend the gallery job anymore since it's, you know, the dining has been shut down for students to work in there. And it's only uh, like reduced hours that she's doing at Pro Art, which is also remote and from home. So someone, you know, who is kind of used to working about 29 hours a week goes down to, you know, just working like four or five hours is obviously there's a significant, you know, drop in their income. And um, I know that some students are solely relying on their paychecks, you know, to pay for their tuitions or their rents or their, you know, groceries, and now they can't. So that was one and most common perspective that I met with. Then interestingly, I met with other students who I talked to who, you know, are still working on campus. And instead of, you know, like their, their hours being reduced, they have actually, you know, faced an increase in the demand of their jobs. Uh, I know that students who are working for um, on-campus housing, for the front desk, or stuff like that, for facilities, they have, you know, um, they're considered essential essential workers. So I know that um, they have been, you know, like, they went from working for 29 hours a week to 40 hours, which is basically full time. So that's one experience, one, ex- uh, you know, one perspective that I've uh, came across with. And then other students who are maybe freshmen or senior who have a completely different story, you know, coming in as a freshman who they 
they can't really, you know, they uh, are not facing that much of a drop, maybe because for them, some of them, their parents are still supporting them or they have their, you know, savings from their summer jobs. Whereas for the uh, seniors who are now entering into a whole different zone of trying to find, you know, a full-time employment and they can't, that's a whole different perspective. Yeah, so kind of going off of, you know, seniors who are, about to graduate and go into, I guess, the workforce under these circumstances, I guess, what are some of the concerns that students had about, you know, moving forward and being able to pay for the essentials like rent and food and stuff? So to my knowledge, um, from what I have heard from the students I interviewed and the Career Services Network, which is uh, an essential branch of MSU who helps uh, all these students who are about to you know, graduate, uh, find employment. Um, I, I know that they, uh, you know, like you, you can't really rely on on-campus you know, jobs anymore. This kind of like a bubble, kind of a safety net that you have, which you're stepping away from. And a lot of jobs have been recently either canceled or have been on a pause. Um, I know spe uh, specifically this one person who was uh, about to, you know, join Google uh, or Microsoft, either one of those. And then both of their, you know, like they, uh, the job application was kind of like, you know, retreated back because they said they're not hiring anyone at all this moment. Um, and that person is, you know, he's lost he doesn't know where to go and he has so many things that he has to you know like look forward to where um, he has to probably think about his student loans or you know find a new apartment out of campus or you know stuff like that and now he is you know like just facing all these real world problems but with no real world solution to it because the world is currently on pause yeah um was there anything that you wanted to talk about in terms of, you know, interviewing and going about reporting on this story remotely or maybe something that was interesting to you? I think um, so far what's interesting to me is how President Stanley um, from uh, is like doing a lot of, you know, um, like he's doing a lot of things for students of MSU. And from my interview, I was able to learn that he has been expecting um, some, you know, like funds coming in from the state of Michigan, which he uh, is, you know, like planning to like give it out to students. Uh, and I know that they have recently started this, uh, this, this program called paid student employment leave, which is um, something they're still exploring, but they have started offering it to students so that, you know, um, they can still get paid maybe a minimal amount, but they can still get paid so that, you know, like they can like not have to worry about at least their groceries and, you know, their source of eating. Um, and I know that on-campus housing has been, you know, the rents have been reduced a lot just to make sure that students are not being stressed out. So I think MSU in itself is doing well for their students. Um, coming out of MSU, the city of East Lansing, I was also able to talk to um, Mayor Pro Aaron, uh, Mayor Pro Ten Aaron Stevens. And I know he uh, said that he's also making sure that the uh, management companies, you know, make sure that either they offer the students discount in terms of rent or just make sure that the April rent is forgiven, you know, altogether. So um, 
I can say that, you know, the whole community is coming together to make sure students who, I mean, obviously people see them, you know, as um, the future generation and they are obviously considered vital, you know, like uh, aspect of uh, the state, this country. So I feel like a lot of, you know, people realize how much struggles, you know, students are facing right now and they're doing their best to, you know, help them. So I think uh, a lot of students are going to be, you know, like having a lot of their issues, their problems dealt with within a couple of weeks. So that's something I think I'm looking forward to. Definitely. Um, was there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap it up? I think that's all. Definitely, I would say to students that um, just don't lose your hope. Um, good things are coming. It's just, you know, a curve that we have to rise through and just make sure that everyone is doing their part. And just, you know, it's hard to be socially isolated right now, but it's for the best. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on this week's podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me again. I am now here with Carly Graham. How are you, Carly? I'm good. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about the provost search, which we haven't really talked about on the 1909 yet. Um, Things are still moving forward, even though we aren't on campus. Um, So can you talk a little bit about some new developments and the provost search. Of course. Well, all of this began at the beginning of September when June Uwatt resigned. And then in October, they announced that they were beginning a search after Teresa Sullivan was, after she took over as interim provost. So I think that the newest developments right now are that there are three finalists, finalists who are Wanda Blanchett, Antonio Tillis, and Teresa Woodruff. So... Those are the final three and who may be taking over as MSU's provost next year. And they're supposed to be announcing who will actually be getting the position either in April or May, according to the MSU provost search, web- provost search website. And can you talk maybe a little bit about what each of these candidates have to offer? Yeah, so... All three candidates bring a very diverse set of um, experiences and backgrounds. So Wanda Blanchett, she is currently at Rutgers University, but she has also worked at University of Missouri-Kansas City, the University of Colorado-Denver, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and Syracuse. So she has been serving as an educator since 1997, and she has been working very very focused in research. Like, that's her main agenda. She likes to push for research, and she is interested in expanding MSU's research. And she also just has a lot of background in helping students that have dealt with anything like disabilities. So her, throughout her entire academic career, her main research that she's done herself personally has been in helping um, special needs students. So that's what she kind of has to offer Antonio Tillis has been at a lot of different places. Right now, he's currently at the University of Houston, but prior to that, 
He worked at the College of Charleston, Dartmouth College, and Purdue. He's been working in education since 2000, and he began at Purdue. So a lot of his background comes from helping different um, different places kind of incorporate more diversity, equity, and inclusion things into their campus. So one of the big things that he talked about was how when he was dean at Dartmouth College, he helped create a curriculum that included having like sexual assault training kind of as that that there was a class so everyone would be on the same page about what their policies were and stuff and that was implemented into the curriculum so all students had to do that it's kind of like our our vsm if i understand it correctly and he knows that currently msu has a strategic plan in place for kind of helping out with the rvsm work group and so what he wants to do at msu is assist in that he doesn't want to come up with a new plan on his own but he wants to join forces and kind of use everyone's experience to kind of push that along and make it go better and then Teresa Woodruff is the final candidate and she has a 56 page CV which is really telling of how much experience she has but it's all pretty much from Northwestern she's been there since 1995 she has been at Northwestern University since 1995 and she has done things like starting as an associate professor in the Department of Medicine and the Department of Neurobiology and Physiology. And then she has then worked her way up to be the dean of the graduate school there. And she is the associate provost for graduate education at Northwestern. So she has done a lot of research in like more medical fields. So that's kind of what she brings to the table. She also has a great interest and talking more about research, and she wants to make sure that people at MSU are having the conversations that need to be had, and she kind of wants to restructure things so the people that are in charge can actually effectively lead these conversations and make sure things that are kind of being swept under the rug are actually being talked about and addressed. So... Um, my understanding is that each of these candidates visited campus virtually. There were three different virtual campus visits via Zoom. The community was able to ask questions through a form that was released earlier. And so then by the time that the actual virtual forum rolled around, they already had their set list of questions but there were a couple questions that were asked of all three candidates, and then there were questions that were individually written and asked of them as well that weren't asked to everyone else. Awesome. And so is this essentially like the last step before we discover who it is in April or potentially May? Yes, this is the last step. Um, after the three virtual visits online, People were able to submit their feedback. Community members were able to submit their feedback through a form as well. And then that form has since been closed. But the um, provost search committee will be announcing who will be taking over either throughout this month or May. Well, thank you so much for being on today, Carly. Thank you for having me. 
All right. I am here with Wells Foster. Thank you so much for being here, Wells. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, so you got the chance to talk to Alyssa Slotkin um, for one of your stories that kind of served as a Q&A. How was it talking to her? Uh, it was pretty surreal. Um, uh, politics um, is what got me into journalism. And um, the thought of you know lawmakers in Washington that write federal laws, um, they just felt so far away. I, they, were just, they didn't feel like real people. They felt really far off and it was extremely surreal to actually get a chance to not just ask one a question but to have a conversation with one regardless of who it is or who it was it's just really interesting and not something I expected to do uh this early on in my career yeah so you got to ask her a lot of questions what were some of the highlights do you think so my favorite question and the one I have been saving since she uh contacted me was I was really interested in how she or other lawmakers in Washington would handle the mental health crisis brought on by coronavirus. Um, you know, the inability to go outside, the loss of in-person mental health resources really impacted a lot of people and people I know in my life specifically too. And I feel like that's not something that's being addressed too much outside of um, social media. It's not really anything that's hit the mainstream. So that was my priority to ask her when I had a chance. Yeah, what did she kind of have to say about that? So um, she likes the question. Um, that was a focus of her Q&A she did in, um, uh, I think it was Wells Hall a few weeks ago, a few months ago, it was in the winter. And um, she directed people towards resources and encouraged people to take advantage of anything they could. But she didn't have anything off the top of her head, I don't believe, and to my knowledge, they're not making any major pushes for mental health in Washington right now. So you talked about the stimulus package with her and how it kind of leaves out dependents, which a lot of college students are considered dependents. So uh, what did she have to say about that? So her um, other members of the House and, and Michigan Senators Gary Peters and Debbie Stabenow um, are all working jointly to push um, language into the next round of the CARES Act, which is the act that sent out the $1,200 check. Um, they are trying to push into the next round of that because there's another stimulus package coming out to amend it to give dependents money as well. And she said that was specifically inspired by the woes of college students and specifically because she is the um, representative of a college town. So she's looking and other lawmakers and I, she said it's bipartisan as well, are looking to get that amended and make it so that dependents and specifically college students can get monetary aid as well. How is the progress of that bill so far? They're pushing it as a bill um, on its own and separate from the next CARES Act. But she said that is to get the language out there and to kind of make a mission statement. And their end goal is not to pass that bill that they have in there, but take that bill's language and put it into the next CARES Act. So it's still in the early stages, but it's looking promising is what she said. Um, and then what else did she say about current like COVID-19 relief? She wanted to ex um, expand unemployment benefits and she wanted college students specifically to take advantage of unemployment benefits. And she mentioned specifically that Uber drivers or people that worked for um, other gig type jobs couldn't claim unemployment. 
excuse me, couldn't claim unemployment, but now they can. And she also mentioned the expansion of just unemployment payments. They're given an extra $600 or up to an extra $600 per week. And she just um, really urged everybody that could to take advantage of that. Awesome. And then you did ask her about um, anything else in the bill that college students should know about. Can you kind of talk about some things that might be helpful for college students? Yeah. So she specifically mentioned that this was a generational event and she was around our age. She was in our early 20s. Um, So about a college age when 9-11 happened and she wanted to let college students know that COVID-19 is going to be a generational defining event. And she just wants people to make sure that they're um, ready for changes when it comes, when we get back to normal. And she again mentioned 9-11 with having to take her shoes off at the TSA. And she said that there might be things like that happening, but she wants specifically college students to know that because this is our first generational event. Whereas, you know, um, generations before us have had theirs. There was, you know, JFK assassination, um, 9-11, there are several other things. So she just wanted us to know that this is our generational event and that this is going to define how we are as a, like a generation going forward. Um, and again, she stressed specifically college students need to take advantage of unemployment because we're not at the rate we should. More of us should be if we're unemployed. And that can be really helpful for, you know, any expenses that we have. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about this Q&A? It was uh, just kind of a spur of the moment thing. Her, uh, I believe her communications coordinator uh, called me um, on April 7th or 8th in the morning and reached out to me asking if the state news wanted to uh, speak to Representative Slotkin. And I believe she reached out to me specifically due to the uh, interaction I had with her at the Wells Hall um, student forum. So they came to us on that. So they're really trying to get their message out there and make sure students know. So I just, I guess the, the takeaway from this is students should be paying attention because this really does affect us a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Wells. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for joining us this week on The 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at some of the state news's biggest stories while bringing in new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. You can find more of our content on statenews.com or by following us on Twitter at The S News or on Instagram at State News. We'll be back next week to unpack even more stories.